This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 14. Now Paul and his company set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. But they, passing on from Perga, came to Antioch of Poseidon. All right, moving on, verse 13. Now Paul and his company set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. So in other words, they left the island of Cyprus, coming on the mainland to Perga of what is today Turkey. Notice how Luke describes the ministry team here as, quote-unquote, Paul and his company. As recent as Acts 13.7, the team was described as Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas had certainly been in Christ longer and was the one who initially took Paul under his wing shortly after Paul's conversion to Jesus. When many of the believers in Jerusalem didn't want to receive the recently converted Paul out of skepticism, Barnabas embraced and encouraged him, introducing him to the brothers in Christ there. Years later, it was Barnabas who made the journey from Antioch all the way to Tarsus to seek out Paul to help him with ministry in Antioch. After some time in Antioch, the Holy Spirit called Barnabas and Paul to a work in Acts 13.2. It says, Separate Barnabas and Saul for me for the work to which I have called them. So when the church sent them out, I think it probably would have been proper to assume if one was to be more of a leader or more prominent among the duo, it would have been Barnabas. And again, even as recently as Acts 13 verse 7, we're told that the proconsul quote-unquote summoned Barnabas and Saul. And yet after the bold sign worked through Paul and the conversion of the proconsul to Christ, there seems to be a shift from Luke's perspective in now recognizing Paul as the more prominent figure among them. Again, here in Acts 13, verse 13, Luke records that, quote-unquote, Paul and his company set sail from Paphos. Even if Paul is to be the more prominent figure from this time on, the leader, it doesn't necessarily make Paul, like, better or more faithful than Barnabas. It may simply mean he was particularly gifted and ordained by God to walk in that role. Within the body of Christ, in our ministry pursuits, we shouldn't envy one another or think it to be some sort of competition. Rather, as Paul exhorts in Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Like if someone seems to have a more prominent position or calling, or is more gifted in a particular area by the grace of God, don't covet that gifting. Don't despise their position or platform. Rather, support and encourage them, rejoicing in how God is using them for His kingdom in that role. Be content in the function to which God has placed you within the body, knowing that every part of the body has equal significance in God's eyes. Yeah, so like I've been tempted in the past to envy my younger brother Micah, for example, who led me to Christ and with whom I partner in public ministry because he's in a sense a more prominent figure. And I would say as well, 
a more gifted evangelist and a better leader. Rather than envying his gifting and call, I've learned to be content in the area to which the Lord has assigned me. Rather, I rejoice in how God works through him and support what God is doing through him, knowing that we're partners with others in the proclamation of the gospel of Christ for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of Christ. Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 26, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And ultimately, we in the body of Christ should all echo what John the Baptist said about Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. Or as Paul put it to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so it is with Paul and his company, mentioned here in Acts 13, 13. Neither is Paul nor his company anything, but only God who gives the growth. Verse 13 continued. John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. We'll learn later in Acts chapter 15 that Paul didn't appreciate John Mark's departure here to the point he so refuses to embrace Mark as a missionary companion in Acts 15. And it causes Barnabas and Paul to split up. You know, I do wonder why John Mark went home to Jerusalem here in Acts 13, 13. We aren't told, of course. When I'm away on mission trips, I can certainly miss my wife and kid horribly. In my own experience, there has been at times a draw or temptation to want to forsake the work of the ministry in a certain area at a given time because I was homesick, because I missed my family and friends, because I missed the specific comforts home affords me. Maybe Mark was homesick. I totally get it. Having arrived in mainland Turkey, Paul and his party were about to embark on a difficult and dangerous mountainous trek. Was the hard, impending journey intimidating to Mark and a determining factor in his return to Jerusalem? A few years back, our ministry team crossed the border into Mexico to share testimonies of Jesus at a church south of Tijuana. Within an hour after crossing the border into Tijuana, we were turned around at a toll booth because we didn't have any pesos on hand to pay the toll. And if I recall, having been greeted at the stop by guards with machine guns strapped around their shoulders. As a result, we soon found ourselves in a rough part of town at a Walmart trying to get some Mexican cash at an ATM so we could pay the toll. 
having visited Mexico as well as having lived in Denmark for a couple of years, I can certainly say first entering a foreign country can be intimidating for sure. I felt lost, sometimes confused, and at the utter mercy of and dependency upon others. Like it's difficult when you don't understand the language or are not familiar with the customs of the region where you're visiting. Maybe the whole experience of entering the mainland of Turkey was overwhelming for John Mark, and he just wasn't in a good place mentally, physically or emotionally to cope with those circumstances. We should have grace for him as God extends grace to us. And here's another thought. I wonder if Paul's perceived rise in prominence was upsetting to John Mark, who perhaps wanted to see his cousin Barnabas in that role. Or maybe John Mark just didn't like Paul's personality. I remember my first extended missionary trip as a Christian back in 2008 being a particularly difficult adjustment for me. It was my first time on the road away from my wife for an extended period. I was with six other brothers in Christ, crammed in a tour bus for nearly two months. As some of them I knew better than others beforehand, but there was an adjustment phase, so to speak, where I needed to learn how to live in close quarters with like six other men. Some had personalities and quirks that were quite challenging for me to handle at that time. And I'm sure I too was a handful for them. So yeah, I can certainly relate with John Mark's decision to bail if it had to do with an issue like a personality clash. Well, here's another thought to consider. Many seem to assume John Mark's departure was a bad thing because he lacked faith or was too in love with the world, wasn't cut out at the time to endure the sacrifices of that call or that he was simply a quitter. Maybe some or all of those are true. But have any of us considered that perhaps John Mark's departure to Jerusalem was actually in accordance with God's will? I mean, what if the Holy Spirit had led Mark back to Jerusalem for some reason that Paul couldn't see or accept at the time? I mean, Mark would eventually become a close associate of the Apostle Peter, and Mark's relationship with Peter was foundational for his gospel account, the Gospel of Mark. All that just to say, I think we need to be careful not to prematurely judge our brothers and sisters in Christ or hold grudges against them when they take a course of action that seems perplexing to us, but that isn't necessarily in opposition to the Word of God. Like, it can be helpful to remember Paul's advice in Romans 14, 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And in the event John Mark messed up in the moment, we can have grace, knowing in Christ there can be restoration. All things work together for good for those who love God. We all start off as infants in Christ and must all undergo painful spiritual growth throughout our lives. There will be setbacks and disappointments for sure. We are all unworthy of God's love, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This event of Mark leaving them for Jerusalem will be the instigating factor that'll lead to a future dispute among Paul and Barnabas, causing them to split off from each other. Even as great and godly as these men were, and as significant as the missionary work to which they were involved was, they, like all of us, still had problems. We'll explore this further in Acts chapter 15. All right, moving on. Verse 14. But they, passing on from Perga, came to Antioch at Pisidia. Perga was right on the Turkish mainland coast. That's where the ship, having come from the Mediterranean island of Cyprus, had harbored. And from there, they traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia, which was about 135 miles north of the coast. Pisidia Antioch wasn't the same Antioch we read about earlier in Acts chapter 13, where Paul and Barnabas initially embarked on their missionary journey. Now they're many miles away in a part of Turkey, back then known as Galatia. Antioch of Pisidia was in the mountains, and I can imagine the journey getting there probably wasn't a walk in the park. in the law again Are you that foolish You began by the Spirit Are you now being perfected By your flesh and works you've done Is it by works you were saved? Or by hearing with faith? Oh, have you abandoned your first love? Oh, don't you remember? The desires of your eyes Have you left the living waters To make cisterns for yourself? Oh, if you do The Father's love is not in you Oh, 
That was one from the Adams Road album, Enemy of the Cross. Ask yourself, are there any divisions? Is there strife or jealousy in the denominations? And why is the body of Christ even separated? A house divided against itself will not be able to
was First Love from the Adams Road album Immeasurable. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 37. Grace and peace be with you all.